Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here, like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy. And so it's not about not having money. It's just about combining money with living our purpose and with living our passion. And, and one of my uh, Buddhist priest mentors says, passion is not something we have it's who we are as a cosmic destiny and just another way to say that is like if you love to paint you should be painting if you love to teach children you should be teaching children if you love to you know be outside of nature you should be outside of nature if you if you if we all have gifts those gifts should be lived on the day-to-day -day. and the idea of well you know this this is something that i can make money doing so i'll make money doing it and you know the two weeks of vacation or, or whatever it is, you know, um, will be the times that I'll do this or I'll do it, you know, the things I love once a week. There's just no reason to live like that. Right. So I, I think, um, I don't think anyone's made us, you know, live in materialism and consumerism. I think that those are things that help, you know, our distractions from actually sometimes looking within and, and, and doing, um, the deep inner work that ends up uncovering where all the gold is and, and where our fulfillment and, 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 you know, exponential levels of happiness live. I'm Srini Rao, and this is the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, where you get a window into the stories and insights of the most innovative and creative minds who've started movements, built thriving businesses, written best-selling books, and created insanely interesting art. For more, check out our 500-episode archive at unmistakablecreative.com. Running a business is hard, but your email marketing doesn't have to be. With AWeber's easy-to-use email marketing platform, you can stay connected with your audience, write new content faster, sell more, and grow your business, all without having to become an expert in yet another business tool. Start today at aweber.com slash podcast. That's A-W-E-B-E-R dot com slash podcast. AWeber, simpler email marketing. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite.
Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Let's talk about aging. It's inevitable, right? But what if I told you there's a new way to age led by Solgar Cellular Nutrition? They believe, and I do too, that you can transform the way you age cell by cell with the power of cellular nutrition. As we age, our cellular function declines. Your regular multivitamins and minerals might not be enough to combat these age-related declines, and that's where Solgar Cellular Nutrition comes in. It's formulated with targeted cellular nutrients that work with your body's natural processes deep inside your cells to help you fight cellular decline and promote cell health across three benefit areas. It supports cell energy, repair, and vitality, muscle strength, and even glutathione production to help protect cells. So let's own our healthy aging narrative. Visit CellularNutrition.Solgar.com to learn more. Again, that's CellularNutrition.Solgar.com to learn more. Solgar Cellular Nutrition. We go cell deep. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Nudav, welcome to The Unmistakable Creative. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. My pleasure. My pleasure. It's great to be here. Yeah. So, you know, you came highly recommended uh, as a guest when I, I actually did a Facebook survey, as I've occasionally been known to do, uh, to find new guests. And your name came up multiple times. So I figured, okay, this is a no-brainer. Uh, and when I started looking at what you did, I thought, yeah, definitely uh, a fascinating story. So I want to start by asking you, where in the world did you grow up and what impacted where you grew up end up having on your life and the career choices that you've made? Great. Well, um, I'm glad the Facebook community thinks I'm, I'm uh, an interesting guy. Feels good. Um, and it's great to be here with you. So I grew up in Israel. Uh, I was born in Israel, sorry. And, uh, and then I grew up in San Diego. And it was a great place, really. I mean, Israel, you know, the, one of the reasons I'm grateful for the way that I, that I grew up is one is, uh, you know, being born in Israel really – gave me this identity of uh, independence and entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. Israel is actually has the most entrepreneurs per capita uh, in the world. And there's really this celebration of failure. Like failure is almost one of these things that like if you haven't failed, you're, you're not really uh, living, right? And so that thing, that's something I think really fueled uh, my desire to be an entrepreneur. And I, I remember in when I was about eight years old is when I started my entrepreneurial uh, career. I was a Cub Scout and I was selling peanuts, uh, to, you know, support my Cub Scout group. And I, I went out during the day and I was just going door to door. And, uh, before I knew it, uh, it was nighttime and I was having a great time. 
And all of a sudden I got picked up by somebody from behind and it was a neighbor and the neighbor was like, no, where have you been? The whole neighborhood's looking for you. Your mom's looking for you. Um, you know, it's, it's late, it's time to go home. And, and, you know, to me, I just said, Hey, I'm, I'm just being Israeli. I'm, I'm going out there and, and being an entrepreneur. So, um, that definitely shaped me. And then growing up in San Diego was really an, and just paradise to me. I was really grateful that my parents, you know, deciding to leave such a great place such as Israel, uh, chose to, to, to go to San Diego because, it's in Southern California. It's warm. I learned to surf out there from the age of 12 years old. And it's just a very chill vibe. Uh-huh. And it's actually an interesting combination because I built a couple of businesses while I was there. And for me, it was like not that many people are hustling that hard. And so if you, if you, at that point I was into the hustle, but if, if, if you did hustle and you, you know, put some more time in and things like that, it was it was pretty easy to stand out, so I really enjoyed being there. Mm. Um, how old were you when you moved here, and were your parents entrepreneurs as well? Um, I was four years old when I moved from Israel to San Diego. I'd still go back, you know, for a month at a time uh, every summer, and so that's how I kind of kept my my heritage and language and stuff. And no, my parents, my dad was a PhD in uh, chemical engineering. And my mom worked as a bookkeeper. They're both still alive and, and doing great, uh, but they're retired. That's why I say was. And actually, both my brothers were also chemical engineers and, and uh, computer engineers. So I was ended up kind of being the, the black sheep of the family in that respect. I actually got into UCLA as a chemical engineer, but then when I realized how, how challenging the homework was and things like that, <laughs> I... Uh, and I just said, you know, I'm not going to do this. And, and I decided to ch- change the psychology. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, you know, why is it that uh, Israel in particular has this sort of, you know, strong culture of entrepreneurship? I mean, I, I was aware that I remember, you know, when ICQ first came out, it was kind of like, I remember thinking this country seems like just this hotbed of like tech entrepreneurship. It, is there something in the culture that causes that? And, and why have we not seen that in other cultures as much? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I wouldn't say I have all the answers to it. There, there's a great book called uh, Startup Nation that if, if you know anyone wants to dig deeper into that, I, I highly recommend. Um, but what I do know is that um, it's kind of a mix of things. I think, I think firstly, uh, Judaism kind of as a, as a religion and as a culture really celebrates uh, education and really, you know, underscores the importance of education. Uh, so that that's number one. Um, so, you know, it's like any, any, uh, Jewish kid or is, is, you know, kind of grows up with their neurotic Jewish mother, just making sure they're getting straight A's. I think Jews and Asians might have that in common and Indians maybe, as well. Yeah, Indians as well. Yeah. So, you know, we all have our own little flavor and version of that. Yeah. Um, so that, that's one thing. I think the other thing is that, um, a, a celebration of creativity was another big one where, uh, you know, if you go to Israel, like everybody plays an instrument. Like I, I learned to play guitar just because I'd go to Israel and I would be with, you know, a group of eight of my friends and I was the only one that didn't play, you know, an instrument. So, I'd, so that's, that's something that had me decide to play guitar. So I think the creativity is a really big thing. And then uh, individualism is, is celebrated as well. Mm-hmm. 
in regards to, I think just, you know, the, the majority of, I mean, kind of the majority of people from Israel are uh, immigrants, even though, you know, Jews lived in Israel and, and, and had a state, uh, you know, uh, thousands of years ago. Uh, however, getting there and be it's it's kind of you know it's similar to the u.s where it's like you, you if you've made it there then there's something special about you and it's your opportunity to shine if you want to shine and i think that's that's another beautiful thing about the the united states and and that that israel also has in common and then the the, the fourth thing is as far as i know is is really around the the military you know mm-hmm. military everybody goes to the military um it was created initially because when Israel was created as a state, uh, all of the surrounding countries attacked it immediately, and Israel had to defend itself. And from then on, it's always kept this the standing army with mandatory conscri- conscription, mm-hmm. for better or worse. And so what, what's happened with that is, is one – it's made technology incredibly important there. Uh, so that combined with the creativity, combined with the importance of education, has really led to this flourishing in technology. I mean, literally, so much technology comes out of Israel, a lot that we don't know about, but you know, in your phone, in your appliances, in your microprocessors, uh, kind of all over the place, you're getting lots and lots of uh, technology. And then, and then the, the other aspect that I mentioned is around the welcoming of failure, you know, because when you're focused on innovating that much, when you're a, a scientist, for example, I mean, experiments are all about failure. You, you experiment, 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 and you have to replicate it to really prove something. And so it's really just one of those things where people don't give a shit about failure. They're like expecting it. And, and, uh, when you go out in Israel, if you're, if you're, you know, out in Tel Aviv and you're, you know, at a bar, a lot of the seating's outside and stuff. I mean, you just hear people talking about ideas and possibilities all the time and really jiving with it. Whereas there's some other places in the world, um, you know, I won't necessarily name names, but I think people that live there will know where it's like, if you start talking about your ideas, people will talk about why it can't work. Mm-hmm. In this case, people are like, oh, well, it could work this way and that way. And let me introduce you to Pini. He's, you know, running this, this startup lab over here. And it's really that type of vibe where, you're kind of in this this neighborhood of, of of startup fun, so it's a really great place. I highly recommend it, and the and the food's super good too. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, other than the the you know difficulty of the homework uh, in chemical engineering, what prompted your interest in in psychology uh, while you're at UCLA? Yeah, the real. I mean, one of the big reasons was really um, th- there was multiple reasons, but one of them was really like why do I feel messed up? Why, why do I feel bad? Why do I, what is this voice in my head that's really being so mean to me, like meaner than I, I would ever be to anyone else? And that, that was really one of the number one reasons. Um, I was, had been kind of dealing with depression, dealing with low self-esteem, uh, even though I was a great student, even though I'm, you know, was a captain of different sports teams and things like that in high school, and so I really wanted to, to figure that one out. And then I think secondly, um, I love people and I love understanding people. And to this day, you know, I, I love talking and listening to people and, and helping people shift things and feel better and things like that. And so that's something that that's always been really important to me. And uh, psychology was, was a subject for that. UCLA is all kind of 
pure science, per su- pure subject type of school. So um, there wasn't, you know, the ability necessarily to study marketing or, or things like that. They don't have those majors. So psychology was what it was. And it was also one that would make my uh, science family satisfied. <laughs> yeah. Uh, interesting. Um, yeah. uh, well, I want to come back to the the idea of this voice in your head, but uh, I don't think we're ready. I'm not ready for that yet. Um, walk me through, uh, you know, leaving UCLA to where you're at today. Like, um, what have been the significant inflection points, and, and how did you end up here? Oh, okay, great. So uh, happy to cover that. So, yeah, when in, in UCLA, I mean, t- to be honest, uh, and my parents, my parents do know this now. And so I can share it publicly, but you know, I, I really would, would, it's a beautiful campus. And, uh, oftentimes I would, you know, with good intentions, walk towards class and end up just hanging out, uh, on campus and, and you could smoke pot on campus and <laughs> things like that. So we just wouldn't really make it to class. Right. And then, um, would go and take the midterms and finals and, and, and do all right. But, um, I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. And so, during UCLA, I, I needed a, a job, and so I w- work with my friend's father at a place called Stone Candles, and he makes these amazing candles, um, really some of the top-notch candles in the world uh, to this day, even though that was uh, about 15 years ago now. I'm 35 now. And I just started going you know, store to store in LA and just, just going in there and, and selling the candles, and I was you know, every day come back with orders and he was like, you know, who's this kid? This kid's just killing it. And then I started sending samples to the, you know, buyers from, from some of the largest uh, chains in the world. And next thing I know, in about six months, sold half a million dollars, which is a, you know, nice amount for, for a new company. Mm-hmm. And, um, I ended up starting a, a store in the Beverly Center with one of my clients, and um, that was one of the first tuition lessons I'd, I had in business because what, I, what we did was I really trusted him. I allowed all the money from the point-of-sale system to go into his bank account, and he wasn't a bad guy, but you know he had other stores, and he just we, we kind of got in too deep in regards to the rent and in regards to, to stock. And I lost my life savings, which was about $17,000 at that point. I was 21 years old. I'd been working 80 hours a week. And really, it it was kind of crazy. I was kind of in the spell where I was walking around with this bag of all these receipts and and financial papers and trying to figure out, you know, how to get my money back and, and really just wasn't possible. And so at that point, I lost everything and I decided to I'd need to move back to San Diego and I was going to move in with my parents and I was like great you know um, I guess typical millennial like uh, finishing college having to move back in with their parents um, at that point one of my friends in San Diego I was in the car with him he's like hey my, my parents are you know selling one of their homes in La Jolla and uh, it's going to be empty for a month would you want to come in and live with me and I said yeah of course I would I said, let's go do that. And so I moved in and and one month actually turned into a year. Felt bad for his parents because they couldn't get the permits to tear it down. But we lived there for a year. And uh, during that time, I reconnected with one of my best friends, Jeff Smith. And um, he is one of the best search engine optimizers in the world. And so we decided to create a company together and 
Uh, it's called Matrix Media Technologies, and there's two sides of the companies. One was uh, around search engine optimization for clients, and the other one was around buying websites, refurbishing them, and uh, increasing their, their revenue and then selling them. And so we were like 22 years old, uh, had this you know small office. I was also across the street selling cars. I was like one of those you know typical used car salesmen you see with the leather jacket and my hair slicked back. Um, you know, part of the, the week. And then the other part of the week I was across the street building this company mm-hmm. and started building the company. You know, we did, we did 200 K the first year, then 400 K and, and we, we got the company built up to, to doing over a million bucks. And, uh, that's when the crash of 2008 happened. And we were in this position where we were, you know, doing, uh, seven figures in revenue. However, there was like no cash left and we were 400 K in debt and we, there it was impossible at that point to get cash. And I remember sitting with my, my board and kind of every, we, we had five products at the time. We had, uh, um, the websites, we had search engine optimization, we had, uh, web development, viral marketing, and then reputation management where we'd help people push down, uh, bad rankings right, and bad, bad results. And the board was all saying, hey, you guys, you know, keep building this company, focus on all these things, we're going to be fine. And I just, you know, when they all left, I said, look, Jeff, it's me and you are responsible for all this money and debt we have. And, you know, uh, your, your house is, is uh, there's a lien on it for the, the loan we got from the SBA. So what are we going to do? And, and we just decided to focus on our one premium product, our link building product. And... We had, we had 40 people in the Philippines at that time doing real premium linking. So it was really people in, in SEO will say, you know, there's, there's Black Hat and, uh, and there's all these shady companies. We were one of those that's just like the best links that would get you, you know, top five rankings consistently for the biggest keywords. And we had been selling, you know, 5K a month or more contracts of that, anywhere from 5K a month to 20K a month. And we just decided to do that. And we, we had a, this opportunity to position what we were doing as the alternative to TV and radio for these bigger brands um, or, or print. And we were using tracking phone numbers. We were, we were tracking all the leads that were coming through. And we really were able to build back the company up in the worst year, really in the history of, of uh, the economy of the world. And it was really an incredible moment. And so we had, we were wanting to sell the company at the same time. And so we made a list of about 15 search engine optimization companies wrote, wrote them, the CEOs, each a letter with a, um, executive summary. Didn't get any bites. We just wanted to sell the company for 400 K or half a million enough to pay our debt down at that point and just kind of go back to being 26 and, and, you know, not in crazy amount of debt. And I was sitting there one night working and I look on LinkedIn and I'm just kind of perusing LinkedIn, I think, looking for customers. And, and on the right-hand side, LinkedIn says, you should consider being connecting with Andreas Rao, CEO of Geary Interactive. And I said, well, LinkedIn, if you say I should, I guess I'll do it. Uh, I sent him a message. I said, hey, I'd, I'd, we, we do uh, amazing SEO. I'd love to do SEO for your clients. We, we were doing a lot of partnerships at that time where we would just um, kind of white label what we were doing. And basically met with him and, and five months later we sold the company to him and 
um, it was it was really kind of incredible for us because we were tw- 27 years old and sold the company. It was you know really went from not having much money. I think at that point every month we'd made either no salary or maybe a maximum of 2,500 or 3,000 dollars a month in salary. And it was great. You know, sold the company. Each got uh, you know a nice six-figure sum. Uh, and also, you know, money for the investors. And at that point, we said, okay, let's move into uh, an awesome place. So we, I found this penthouse for us downtown. Um, we each bought nice cars. Uh, and at that point, we, we really just, you know, kept building our other company. We owned a, a city guide. And we just partied like we, we, you know, it's kind of that typical story. Like we got the penthouse, we got the nice car. I had an assistant that had a list of what to get to party from party city, um, every weekend. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was, I was that guy at the club, like getting bottles, throwing confetti, putting sunglasses on everybody and having a great time. And we really did two years of that. And I just remember waking up one one afternoon, I think it was, you know, cause we'd been out all night and I had this beautiful girl next to me in my bed and I, I woke up and I look out and I'm, I'm overlooking, you know, this was in, in downtown San Diego on the Harbor. So I could see Mexico. I could see the Coronados. I could see the airport, Mount Soledad, SeaWorld, you know, all, and, and we were on the 28th floor and I walked out to my balcony and, and I just am thinking, you know, something's missing here. Something's missing. And I, I said, what's missing? <laughs> I kind of have everything right now. And I said, you know, I'm happy, but I'm not fulfilled. Hmm. I was like, I'm really not fulfilled right now. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be a jerk about this. I'm, I am a, uh, a happy person. And then, you know, at that moment, I just, I, I, I like, you know, any, I guess, person would do, just started asking questions. I said, what, you know, what would fulfill me? And I started asking and when you open yourself up and create that vibration, basically, a few days later, somebody introduced me to, uh, they asked me to, to lunch and they said, hey, you're a great leader in the community. He's uh, one of the top lawyers in San Diego. And I want to introduce you to this personal development course called the Landmark Forum. <laughs> and um, I said, well, what's that? He said, it's a leadership course. I said, is it a cult? He said, no. I said, well, if it was a cult, I would join anyways. It's all good. <laughs> uh, I love cults. I'm in a bunch of cults right now. Uh, and I did that. And it was really it was really a game changer for me because what, what, what Landmark is and, and many personal development courses are, I'm not you know um, tied to any one of them, but I'm a big proponent of doing personal development courses is it really gets you to know yourself, your true self, and kind of be able to break away some of the things that the that society has maybe, or the collective has put on to, on us, or our parents have put on us, or we've taken, you know, from our ancestors and our and our DNA that we might not even really know about. And it really, you know, we we, we talked a bit about ayahuasca. I was just uh, you know doing an ayahuasca on this trip um, a couple weeks ago in the Sacred Valley how it's like 10 years of therapy. Well, I'd actually been in therapy for, for 10 years um, alone with my, with my parents before this course. And after one day, I realized that I'd been blaming my parents for not necessarily loving me in the way that I wanted to be loved, which 
really came from from my grandparents' experience in the Holocaust. Um, there's obviously a lot of love in my family. My parents are amazing, but it wasn't expressed through um, I love yous and through like hugs and touch and stuff like that. It was expressed through having a great home and having dinner on the table and laundry and caring about you know school and, and putting me in sports and sending me to camp when I wanted and things like that. Um, and so I really kind of first just saw like my mom just – hasn't learned how to love in this way and so I can be a leader so I called my mom and I told her you know mom I love you so much and I realize I've been blaming you for this and those days are done and from today on I'm going to be your dream son and everything out of your mouth I'm going to hear is I love you and so before that you know I'd be at dinner with my parents and they would be saying three things when are you going to get your master's degree when i was like so deep in my startup and anyone who has a startup knows how that goes mm -hmm. um they you know they didn't even think about the name that know about the name of it and stuff when are you gonna stop with all the spiritual stuff and when are you going to uh get a get, uh, marry a jewish girl of course <laughs> and it's the same thing over and over and i would get pissed you know i'd get up and say, i don't want to talk about this anymore that's enough I can't take it anymore. And um, after about a month, after this conversation with my mom, I was at dinner with my parents and I left the table and I said, that's the best dinner that I've ever had with my parents. Like, what do we talk about? And I said, no, they still ask me the same questions. But I, I realized that I'm the one who shifted. And I decided to, you know, when they said those things, breathe and smile and ask them why it's important to them and, you know, just have a conversation with them about that. Mm -hmm. And it really created this massive shift in my relationship to my parents, which, as many of us know, you know, shapes our relationship to other people, the opposite sex. Um, but it really helped me realize that, wow, I can really shift my view of things and that's going to shift my life. And that was, that was a really big inflection point for me. Um, and things just started really uh, snowballing in a great way. I did, I did the next landmark course the next weekend. I started eating up personal development and, and doing lots of different company courses. And at that point I said, okay, I, we had sold another company. I said, I, I was literally running, I, I was, uh, 30 years old running, you know, one of the seven executives at a 700 person company running a $17 million P and L. I was chief entertainment officer or chief lifestyle officer. I could do anything I wanted in San Diego. I could go to anything. I could get backstage VIP, anything, free everything. And I decided to walk away from it. And, and it, it was an amazing, you know, opportunity, what I was doing. But I decided to move to LA and, and downsize and create a company called Enlighten that would integrate philanthropy into everyday life. And I said, from now on, I want to be in the impact space. And gone are the days of, you know, once I make this much money, then I'll impact people or, you know, I need to make money doing this and then give back to charity. I said, no, I'm going to make money by impacting people. And so we created this, this uh, business, enlighten.org, and I ran it out of my house. And there was some, you know, massive things happening in that, in, in that respect. I mean, firstly, I, I was really going big in who I was raising money from. So I ended up raising money from the chairman of Orbitz, the family that owned the Wall Street Journal, um, I started spending time on Necker Island and I got, um, connected to, to Richard Branson and, and was actually had this kind of like 
Olympic relationship with him where every uh, day I was there, we would play a different sport. And, and usually it would kick my ass because, you know, he's got a tennis pro, so he'd kick my ass in tennis. Um, but I think he noticed how I was reacting when I would get my butt kicked. And he kind of saw, wow, this, this guy can, can, can handle it, right, versus getting flustered or, or upset. Um, I did beat him in backgammon, which was a, a big moment for me. Um, but he actually, you know, we sat down and started talking about the business the second time I went to Necker. And he, he was like, Nadav, this is amazing. And he grabbed my hand. And he said, you know, whatever you need, I'm here to support you. And, and I'd love to look at investing in this. And so, um, you know, I started getting connected to his investment team and I got connected to Virgin Unite. At the end, he didn't invest. Um, and at the end, the business actually uh, didn't make it. And that was another big inflection point in my life. I, I was sitting at uh, my desk and we had a big den in the house and there was a bunch of us working there. And I went to the kitchen and I went to open the kitchen and um, I noticed I didn't have any food left. I noticed that uh, all I had left was condiments. And I was like, I, those don't look that tasty. I don't think I can really live off condiments. And, and, and it really, I started realizing, this was a year and a half after we started the business, you know, I don't have any money left in my bank account. I'm 80K in debt. I knew the company, you know, I was aware of the company financials. But, we, you know, as any startup, you keep going and hope to raise more money and hope to have a big hit with customers. And, uh, you know, I just said, I'm not going to be able to pay my employees now. I'm not going to be able to pay my rent. Uh, this is kind of it. And at that moment, I, I felt into myself. I said, what um, – why do I feel okay? You know, this is, I'm like 32, I'm, I'm out of money. I might have to move back in with my parents. Like, why do I feel okay about this? And I realized that I was living in my passion. And um, I've coined this phrase that, that I like to use, it's called the passion pivot. And, and my first one was that time on the balcony when I, when I realized I wasn't fulfilled and decided to start Enlightened. Um, and this was another passion pivot. And so at that moment, Instead of – I had two choices. I could go to a place of, of shame and regret and failure and you know, start making choices from that place, which could look like you know, applying to every job on LinkedIn and, and you know, kind of feeling bad about it. Not, not that there's anything wrong with that. Or I could actually come from a place of, of, of self-love, excitement, wonder, and enjoying the discovery. I decided to go with option number two and I just started saying to people, I'm, I want to contribute to something I'm passionate about. I just kept repeating that over and over again to people. And um, within four days, I was with my friend Jordan Brown. We went to go see a movie and I told him, I said, hey, Peter Diamandis is hiring. Peter Diamandis is the, he wrote the book Abundance and Bold. He's the founder of the XPRIZE Foundation. Um, He's a great guy, and um, he was, he, I was listening to his book Abundance on Audible all the time, and it's really about how the future is better than we think. I highly recommend it. It's a New York Times bestseller. And uh, he was with my hero, and I'd never met him before. Next thing I know, I'm texting with him, and next thing I know, he's, you know we're, we're contracting for me to be his um, director of possibilities, which is like his right hand you know, on, on business development. This is, this is a guy that has seven companies, and is a CEO and chairman of these companies and there's, there's lots of employees. So it's a big deal to be on a skunk works team and working side by side. Them. And 
the first day on the job, he says, meet me at the Santa Monica airport, and we get on a plane, and we go meet Elon Musk. <laughs> and this was uh, just two weeks after, you know, I, I lost a million dollars in my startup. I was 80K in debt. I had no food. And next thing I know, you know, I'm there with him and Elon Musk. And um, it was just a total dream come true. And, and we, we get out. We, we fly back. I think it was in Scottsdale on, on this private plane. And we fly back. And we were getting out of the plane. And he goes, have you done Landmark? And I said, yeah, I'm actually an introduction leader in Landmark right now. This was the, the course I talked about earlier. And he said, I know I can trust you. He's like, I, I've done Landmark as well. You know, I really like that course. And it was just this kind of surreal thing where um, I just, I talk about alignment a lot in, in, in my coaching and, and it's just where I, I was following my passion and I knew as long as I continue to come from a place of love and make, make these choices, um, then I'm on the right track. It doesn't actually matter exactly what's happening. And, uh, you know, the great news was we, we just had, I had an incredible run with him, making great money, was able to get myself out of debt and, um, did that for a while. And, and this is kind of the, the, the latest passion pivot I'll talk about. Um, he asked me to go and, and run business development and be the chief revenue officer for a company called HeroX, which is a spinoff of the XPRIZE Foundation. It's, it's an incentive prize company, crowdsourcing solutions, great company, HeroX.com. And we were remote. And so at that point, I said, okay, I'm going to move to New York. And I lived in New York for five weeks, uh, five months, I'm sorry. And um, at that point, I kind of said, you know what, I, I don't want to eat go out to eat. I don't want to go out to drink. What, what am I doing here? And, and I went to a, an hour north of New York to this place called Storm King, which is a sculpture park. Highly recommended. I'm sitting by the river and I'm just open eye meditation and I'm really present. I'm realizing, you know, I'm not in the past. I'm not in the future. I'm just here right now. I'm loving nature. And I look over and there's a frog sitting next to me. And this frog, he's sitting right next to me, not, not hopping around. And this frog says, um, this frog says to me, like, I'm, I'm just, you know, looking at him and he says, it's time for you to go to be in nature. And until you do that, look at humans as nature. And it really shifted the way that I looked at humans. Cause I started looking at humans and, and people as all beautiful, no matter what they look like, no matter what they're saying, right? The way I looked at nature at that point, I, I decided to move to Costa Rica and I was living in Costa Rica and I was running things out of out of a hammock and, and actually having the best uh, quarter we've ever had for HeroX. I bought a building, um, sight unseen in LA. I got asked to write a chapter in a book and at that point I kind of had my, my latest passion pivot where I decided to, I wanted to make money by being in support of my friends and having conversations with my friends and that's, that's how I started Lifestyle Perfected which is this uh, uh, founder and CEO coaching company. Um, that's focused on feeling good as a foundation for performance. So, Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Running a business is hard. 
but your email marketing doesn't have to be. With AWeber's easy-to-use email marketing platform, you can stay connected with your audience, write new content faster, sell more, and grow your business, all without having to become an expert in yet another business tool. Start today at aweber.com slash podcast. That's A-W-E-B-E-R dot com slash podcast. AWeber, simpler email marketing. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Cool fact: a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Let's talk about aging. It's inevitable, right? But what if I told you there's a new way to age led by Solgar Cellular Nutrition? They believe, and I do too, that you can transform the way you age cell by cell with the power of cellular nutrition. As we age, our cellular function declines. Your regular multivitamins and minerals might not be enough to combat these age-related declines, and that's where Solgar Cellular Nutrition comes in. It's formulated with targeted cellular nutrients that work with your body's natural processes deep inside your cells to help you fight cellular decline and promote cell health across three benefit areas. It supports cell energy, repair, and vitality, muscle strength, and even glutathione production to help protect cells. So let's own our healthy aging narrative. Visit CellularNutrition.Solgar.com to learn more. Again, that's CellularNutrition.Solgar.com to learn more. Solgar Cellular Nutrition. We go cell deep. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I'll stop there because yeah. that's quite a long. So I, I got I have so many questions. Um, but where I want to start, actually, uh, strange enough, um, what did you learn about people and human behavior from selling cars that you've applied going forward in your life? Yeah, great, great question. It's so funny. So I, I was really, you know, I was straight up at one of those, you know, I was at a Chevy dealership, but it was like the old school type of thing. So it was like, you know, when when I the training, one of the training videos that had me watch is this book called Suckers, right? <laughs> and really, where's like this movie about like used car sales, and um, you know, it was stuff like don't listen to the customer, don't um, j- just uh, you know, one of the things is, is like when a customer walks on up on the lot, say, I here for the sale, which sale, the biggest sale in the history of the dealership, like literally this type of stuff. Um, but I would say, you know, one of the things that I got from it was around, um, actually, you know, how to listen to people and actually, um, 
allowing people to, to upsell themselves. So they would say, Hey, I want a, I, I want a truck and you would just take them to the cheapest truck. And then they would say, no, no, I want, you know, um, power windows and steering and I want this and I want that. And then, and then you'd bring them up to, um, more of what they wanted. And so since then there's this, there's this, uh, tactic in, in sales that works really well where you, you basically have three options and price points and you kind of, there's one, one that's cheaper, one that that's more. And the one in the middle is, is the one that people are always going to buy. It's like this, uh, this tactic. So yeah, I, w- I wouldn't say I learned a ton. I learned more about kind of what I don't <laughs> right. want to do with my life. Uh-huh. Um, but, but it was, it was, a great experience, you know, and, and, and I think for anyone who's, I think, come from immigrant parents and, and been an immigrant and, and has had success, you know, I think we, we've all kind of had those types of experiences of, of, of doing things that, you know, created humility for us. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. You know, the, the other parts, uh, that really struck me was, was, you know, the idea that you're standing on this balcony at a penthouse in San Diego and and you said that you're happy, but not fulfilled. And it's interesting to me because I think for so many of us, we would think that that moment in our lives would just, you know, fill whatever void we think we have inside. And why do you think that is? Why do you think that our perception for those of us who've never experienced that is the belief that, you know, this will be this most incredibly rewarding and fulfilling thing? Why, why is that perception there? Yeah. Like, why do we think that, oh, when I have all these things, you know, whether it's the penthouse or the beautiful girl or the fancy car, like, why do you, why do we think that, okay, this is what it's going to take? Like, where does that come from? And why do yeah. we ha- have that? And why is it that somebody who's experienced that always says it's never what you think it is? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, I think that, uh, there's lots of theories, okay, about it. I mean, I think one is the the whole aspect of 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 consumerism which which um there's a there's a lot of agreement on i'm not going to say we're fed anything or, or society feeds us anything it's kind of this collective though and and it and it's really something to uh, i think shield us from actually looking within mm-hmm. a lot right? and so i think there's um this, this this kind of innate fear sometimes of looking within and, and the way another way to say it is you know Think of think of sharing something you're you're ashamed of on a Facebook Live or or with people, right? It's kind of one of those things where that can feel uncomfortable, but there's so much on the other side of that that's freeing, right? When you release that energy, and so I think this this feeling of consumerism is something that um, is used oftentimes to avoid going to those places. And kind of looked at as like, yeah, this is the thing. And so, uh, you know, not, not everybody, but, but sometimes when, you know, you make money and then you, money's great. I love money. I'll just say it. I fucking love money. It's amazing. There's so much great things you can do with it. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's not about not having money. It's just about combining money with living our purpose and with living our passion. And, And one of my, uh, Buddhist priest mentors says, passion's not something we, have it's who we are as a cosmic destiny and just another way to say that is like if you love to paint you should be painting if you love to teach children you should be teaching children if you love to you know be outside of nature you should be outside of nature if you if you if we all have gifts those gifts should be lived on the day-to-day and 
the idea of, well, you know, this, this is something that I can make money doing. So I'll make money doing it. And, you know, the two weeks of vacation or, or whatever it is, you know, um, will be the times that I'll do this or I'll do it. You know, the things I love once a week, there's just no reason to live like that. Right. So I, I think, um, I don't think anyone's made us, you know, live in materialism and consumerism. I think that those are things that help, you know, our distractions from actually sometimes looking within and, and, and doing, um, the deep inner work that ends up uncovering where all the gold is and, and where our fulfillment and, 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 you know, exponential levels of happiness live. Mm-hmm. So, um, that, you know, you brought up money and, and my, my question for you around money is you've kind of seen both extremes, right? You've made a ton of money and you've lost a ton of money. And I'm curious, what's the story you tell yourself about money now? Yeah, great question. I mean, I think, uh, the story that I tell myself about money now is um, money is easy to get. Um, I love money. I love what it can, what it does. Um, I have enough abundance to create abundance for others. Um, and also, you know, how much money I have doesn't dictate who I am and, and, and if it comes and goes, that's, that's also okay. So one of the things that happened when I, when I, you know, lost money as a 32 year old is like, I said, well, maybe I have to move in with my parents and I wanted to feel good about that. So I said, okay, I'll buy my mom flowers once a week and, you know, I'll have her amazing home cooking. And when I go on dates with girls, I can, joke around. I say, we can either go back to my mom's house or go back to your place. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and that was it. I would take, you know, when I go on a date, I'd go to the, on a, on a hike and, and maybe like, you know, cook lunch instead of going out to a nice dinner. And so I, I just learned, I, I sold my a five. And so I just really learned to be happy outside of money. Um, so, so that was a big thing. And then the other thing that I'll say that I, you know, was, has really shifted for me is, I just decided to create a lot of passive income. And so in the past couple of years, I've, you know, um, bought just in the past 11 months, a a million dollars in real estate. Um, the majority of which is money that I raised to produce passive income for myself. And so today I'm, I'm doing about seven K a month in passive income. Um, I have some partners and stuff and that's really made a big difference in, in my businesses because, it's taken a lot of the pressure off or, or just made it more enjoyable to run businesses. And so that's something I, I, I really shifted was I said, I'm, you know, I'll, I'll do more active income businesses. However, I'm going to have a passive income creation. Hmm. Uh, when I do those to really be able to enjoy it more and have an ease of any pressure. Yeah. You know, one of the other things that really struck me is, you know, you said you were kind of almost in this, you know, rock bottom moment. And two weeks later, you're, you know, hanging out with Peter Diamandis and Elon Musk. How do people develop the capacity to bounce back from being down in a situation like that? So there's likely many ways to do it. I'll share my way. Um, I spend a lot of time in personal development courses strengthening my emotional intelligence ability or strengthening my ability to feel emotions that I want to feel or think thoughts that I want to think. And so like I shared with you before, 
one of the reasons I did psychology because I just didn't feel control of my mind, right? So anyone who's listening, raise your hand if, you know, sometimes you have thoughts of that you're not able to control. So that's something I really focused on. And it's just like going to the gym. It's just like, you know, learning how to hit a baseball or a fast pitch or, or you know, hit a tennis ball into um, the right box of the court. So it was that type of thing. Um, a bit more practically, you know, one of the things I can share with you is, is what, what I usually do is when something happens um, that I know maybe can throw me off, I have um, – a few steps that I take. One is I just stop and I breathe and I go, can I think a better feeling thought about this? And if I can feel a better feeling thought, I start having the momentum going in the direction I want. And that's law of attraction. I start thinking about something else, uh, better about that. Um, if I can't do that, I say, can I, can I think or do something else that feels good? Right? So it's, for example, let's say I get an email that a client's, you know, not wanting to, to move forward or something. So, I mean, it's fine, but, but if for some reason I, it didn't make me feel fine and I couldn't think a better feeling thought about it, you know, then it's time to get up and go for a walk, you know, or, or just, you know, talk to my developers instead or do something that's going to make me feel good because if I can stay in, the, in what's called the vortex or in a good feeling place, I'm going to track great things. And if, if, if those aren't possible, then I'll just uh, feel bad. And feel good about feeling bad. Like literally can like, let's go back to that email situation, close down shop for the day, you know, get in my bed, eat ice cream and cry and just allow myself to feel those feelings and even like share that with people knowing that they never last forever. Um, and, and, and especially if you are able to feel it and release it in that moment, you're going to just be able to, um, to, to let it go at a certain point. And so it sounds very simple. It is very simple. And, and, um, at that moment, you know, I'd been doing quite a bit of personal development. And so I just had the, the strength and fortitude to go, I'm just going to choose to feel good about this. Like I, I had the awareness to be like, let me stop. Here's my choices. I choose door number two and I'm going to go through that door. Hmm. Wow. So um, I think that makes a, a perfect setup to really talk about the work that you to do, do today, which is this notion of, of you know, uh, improving performance by feeling good. Uh, you know, how do we do that? How do you develop that capacity? Um, and how have you seen it impact the lives of the people that you work with? So those are like two questions. And then the other is, what have you learned about mindset, success and uh, a growth from, you know, being up close to people like Peter Diamandis and Richard Branson? Awesome. So, uh, yeah, can you just repeat the first set of questions? Again? Yeah. So maybe we should do them in the reverse. Um, let's start with, you know, what have you learned about mindset, success, uh, and growth from people like Peter Diamandis and Richard Branson? Uh, yeah, I mean, um, you know, I'll start with, with, with Richard Branson cause I met him first. Um, you know, it, with him it is really maintaining a great attitude and having resilience and, being willing to do courageous things, right? And, and, and really being consistent. I mean, if, if before I met him, I didn't read his book because I just wanted to, you know, go in kind of blind and meet him. But then, uh, and, and, and he's, just, he's just a great guy. He's, he's very positive. He's, he's caring. He's, he likes to have fun. And I actually learned to loosen up a bit and have, have fun, you know, from him because I saw, you know, what business can look like when you do that. 
Um, and he went through a lot. I mean, he went through a lot with his businesses, with, with like, you know, British Airways trying to put him out of business when he was a smaller airline. Um, he, you know, went through a lot with, with uh, Virgin Records, you know, lots of times trying to sign artists that wouldn't sign with him. And so really having that resilience and maintaining a positive attitude. Um, the other thing that he does is he... Uh, does movement every day you know he'll he'll run or hike or kite surf or or paddleboard um that's one of the biggest things that i uh focus on with my clients and and and, and you know my clients they're all ceos founders multimillionaires exits you know things like that um a billionaire here and there and uh one of the things we focus on is repetition of movement and so i'll just i'll give this tip like let's say you're doing, you know, zero, two, three days a week of movement, right? Like just less than you're wanting to. There's these um, – and because then you're thinking, well, I don't have time to go to the gym. But there's a scientific seven-minute workout. You can search that one. Um, also, uh, you know, on YouTube, just search like 20-minute high-interval training – 20-minute CrossFit, 20-minute abs, 30-minute, 45-minute, whatever it is. And having that consistency where even if you do, you know, the seven-minute workout to be your fourth or fifth workout or even only workout every day, that's going to make a massive difference in your the way you feel in your business. Um, and so that's that's some, some things I learned from, from Richard, uh, from Peter – you know, what Peter's amazing at, he's like Babe Ruth. He calls it. He goes, we're going to hit a home run with this one. I'm pointing right now, but you can't see me because uh, I'm just listening. Uh, but I'm pointing like Babe Ruth. He said, we're going to hit a home run this one. And he'll just call this vision. And he, and he, what he told me was, call the vision. Make sure it's, it's, it's really a stretch, but it is in a realm of possibility. And so Peter actually is the father of private space travel. Um, he wanted to become an astronaut. NASA wouldn't accept him. The only ticket up to space at that point was was with uh, NASA or the Russians and, and I think the Chinese. And so he decided to do a prize, $10 million prize, for the first team that could uh, privately funded space traffic, go, in, go into space, uh, come back down, and do it again within uh, 14 days, right? So it would be replicatable. And this was big, and it took him five years, but once he did it, it became Virgin Galactic. Richard Branson bought the team, and, um, you know, that's that's what fueled Elon Musk. That was, that's what fueled, you know, these different um, these different uh, companies. Mm-hmm. And that's really something big that I learned from him. He said, just, just, you know, have the courage to call – where you're gonna, you know, call the home run and 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 have that vision. And so it was funny with with Peter. I mean, I always joke around with him because I'd sit with him for 30 minutes and then I have a week of work to do, mm-hmm. right? And it was really, uh, really interesting because I realized a lot of times I wasn't always willing to to go there and I wasn't always willing to play like a big game like that. And so in this case, uh, it really helped me just like think bigger and 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 go bigger. Hmm. Yeah. 
So you've talked about movement and you've talked about vision. Um, I'm curious, one, what are the other things that, you know, uh, we can tap into in terms of this idea to feel good, to improve performance? And then the other question is, why do we see such a variation in results and performance in people, you know, given despite the fact that we have, you know, so much access to information, to personal development? Because, I mean, you know, like I did Landmark and I can tell you that I know there are people who basically go back to Landmark and Landmark becomes their whole life, but nothing actually yeah. changes in their life. Totally. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, so so um, feeling good is a foundation for performance. Um, essentially is a choice. You can also perform without feeling good. So it's, it's your choice, right? And, and I'm not saying one choice is better than the other, just to be clear on that. So you can do it the way you want to do it. Um, many people prefer to feel good. Um, we just potentially have learned that, you know, you got to suffer and you got to grind and you got to work hard and, um, you know, do these types of things in order to, uh, in order to, to achieve. But essentially with, with law of attraction, um, if you're feeling good, it's also called being in the vortex. It's also called having that good vibration. You're going to attract other good things. And that's the idea there. And so, um, the core of lifestyle perfected in a way with that we've created it is, um, around life balance in six areas of life. So one is, uh, time creation. That's so actually creating time in the way that you want it. Uh, the second one is living in purpose. So doing something that's purposeful and meaningful to you. Uh, the third one is wealth and business. So actual relationship to money and your business. Um, physical health. So that's movement and nutrition. And mental spiritual health as well and so when you have this uh, life balance and you have this ability to really know that you know each area is oh sorry and, and the sixth one is relationships so relationship to self uh leadership and romantic relationships and so the idea is that you know if, if you really feel successful and feel good in all these areas you're you're killing it right and when you feel good, you, you've won because anything we do, anything we want to achieve, we want to do it for how we're going to feel when we do it, right? Like we're going to cross that finish line and feel accomplished and, you know, people are going to acknowledge us and all these types of things. And so um, feeling good is a foundation for performance and, and it's just a choice that I've made because I've done things from a place of, of feeling bad, scarcity, feeling not enough and these types of things. So that's one, one aspect. Um, in regards to why people do personal development, don't get results. This is a big thing that I've, um, you know, integrated in again into, into my program lifestyle perfected. And I think there's, you know, there's other programs like this as well, uh, is really the implementation. And so repetition, right? So, knowing your vision and looking at it daily, um, using a calendar for time creation, using a project management system to execute uh, tasks and basically make sure that everything is that needs to be done is in place and has a due date and there's transparency. Utilizing the Rockefeller habits, you know, um, for meeting structure and using uh, 
a daily huddle format where your team meets for 15 minutes per day. Um, utilizing communication to create possibilities and move forward initiatives, right? And sharing your vision and things like that. Um, <clears throat> implementing with really good bookkeeping from on a personal level, right? So that, that's something that I focus on and provide. I've transformed my relationship to money on, on an energetic level, but also, you know, I have all my books kept up every week. So I know exactly what's going on and I know how profitable we are and things like that. So that would just be, you know, a very simple answer from my end. It's like, you could have a lot, a lot of natural talent. You could, you know, learn how to, how a sport is, is, is won and how championships won. But if you're not, you know, putting it in the, the, the focus and vision and effort every day. And, and I think that's sometimes what happens with um, certain people with personal development. They'll just love that high of, of transforming or of shifting. However, they're not executing. And um, it's not necessarily about all the doing, but it's about being aligned and then, and then taking the right actions and, and the actions that you enjoy from that place. Hmm. Wow. Well, um, this has been truly amazing. So I have one last question, which um, you may have heard me ask before. Um, what do you think it is that makes somebody or something unmistakable? You know what it is, in, in my opinion, it's uh, when someone's really, truly themselves and really, truly connected to their gift. I'll, I'll just say, you know, I'll give an example. Um, Lindsay Sterling, who I'd never heard of before I, I was at her concert at the Forbes Under 30 um, she plays violin and, uh, dances and she's amazing. Like you see her on stage and you're like, Oh my gosh, like how does this person doing this? Like I can't dance or play violin. She's doing it at the same time. <laughs> it was amazing. And I was watching her and I started tearing up and I said, what, what the heck is going on here? And I realized I, I was so touched by how in tune with herself and in her purpose she was. And, and it was really interesting. She, she shared that, um, cause she, she was like the first violinist to get into electronic music and she, she wanted to for six months. She, she wrote, um, her song threw it in the trash, took it out of the trash, rewrote it, threw it in the trash, like really didn't believe in herself. Finally submitted it to the electronic music world to, to a uh, Skrillex. who's one of the top DJs in the world. And it became, they collaborated on the song and made it a huge hit. So I think, um, what makes people unmistakable is really when you're when you're really in tune with yourself and you're, you're you're you know able to be this unique version of that you were born to be in the world. Wow. Um, well, this has been really really awesome. Uh, where can people learn more about you and your work? Yeah. So um, you're welcome to go to lifestyleperfected.co lifestyleperfected.co um you're welcome to email me at n at lifestyleperfected.co and uh if you do like instagram i'm at n-a-d-a-v-y-l-u-v nadavi love um i've been traveling the world for three years posting pics and, and sharing what i'm doing and um yeah i'd love to talk to anyone who's who's you know feels connected or wants to communicate around what was shared today Awesome. And for everybody listening, we will wrap the show with that. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Unmistakable Creative Podcast. While you were listening, were there any moments you found fascinating, inspiring, instructive, maybe even heartwarming? Can you think of anyone, a friend or a family member who would appreciate this moment? If so, take a second and share today's episode with that one person, because good ideas and messages are meant to be shared. Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World, and this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch, the skills that are essential for standing out and thriving no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy.